What's better than this? Guys being guys being guys being guys being, guys being dudes. Howdy! Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Pat's Interference, your favorite college football podcast. My name is Patrick Norwood. I am joined by my illustrious co-host Patrick Brickman. Brick, how you doing today, sir? Salutations, greetings. I'm great. How are uh, how are you doing today, bud? I'm fantastic. I had a dentist appointment this morning, and then that is right next door to Great Clips. Got a good haircut from Great. Oh, I'm Clips. getting my haircut after this. I'm getting my haircut after this. We're we are so in sync right in now. Sync. Oh my gosh, we said it at the same time. Synergy. Synergy. Other buzzwords. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. This is actually a college football podcast, not a cosmetology podcast, as you may think. Uh, we've been doing it for about six years now. Uh, we did miss last week, and sometimes that's going to happen. Break your internet was knocked out. I worked uh, multiple yep. uh, 12-hour days. Uh, so, you. you know, things happen. Yeah, Hurricane Zeta came by uh, Came by the south south of, uh, of our country, came right through Birmingham, and, and I didn't have internet for about four days there, so... No way to upload the podcast, and uh, it do be like that sometimes. People think people it don't, don't think, be like that. People think it, it don't do be, be like, like that, that but it do, though. It do, though. It do. Uh, yeah, so it we, really we didn't miss too big of a week of college football. I think the biggest note, um, the biggest headline from last week that we can talk about uh, just briefly here uh, is Jalen Waddle getting injured out for the season for Alabama. Uh, Brick, how big of an impact? I mean, obviously, we kind of have an answer, um, and, and I think – it, it's it's significant impact, but how big of an impact does this actually have when you also have guys like John Mechie, uh, Devontae Smith, um, you know, you've got even uh, Miller Forrest all stepping up. How big of an impact is this on the Alabama offense? Uh, for for the most part, there will be other guys that are going to step up. I don't think that the offense as a whole is going to take a huge step back just because of the depth they've had at the wide receiver position for the last three, four, five years. Uh, where it hurts them the most is is nobody can take away that you know that um extra gear that Jalen Waddle brings. You think about all the time that Alabama was was down in a game and he made a humongous play that only he can make to put them right back in. I'm going back to uh let's let's go back to the SEC championship uh 2018, uh the one that Jalen Hurts won. You know, they were down Tua hits him on a slant that any other receiver would have gotten tackled 11 yards down the field. He takes it to sure. the house. Alabama's right back in. Last year's Iron Bowl, he brought, he scored three, four times in that game, right? Yep. Uh, a couple of yep. uh, punt return. Uh, the LSU game, remember Alabama was down big. They had zero momentum. Uh, Jalen Waddell takes a punt to the house. An amazing. I mean, play. you can. I think you can even point to the Georgia game this year too with his long TD in that game. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is really a turning point in that game. So, so they will lose that level of explosion and motivation swings that at times Alabama has needed and somewhat relied on. Uh, so that is a big loss. That is a huge loss. Again, 80 something percent of offensive plays. Maybe you don't recognize that he's technically not in there because Mechie's picking up the slack, but, but when they need a play, when they need a guy to bring them back into the game, that's been Jalen Waddle and uh, Devonte Smith does it too, but that's been Jalen Waddle. They won't have that anymore. And that that's, that's the biggest impact and it's a huge impact and I actually thought he was a, a you know a low-key dark horse Heisman candidate kind of coming out of that Georgia game so you know tough loss but it's football it, it is a tough loss and it is football I don't think it's as uh it, it's definitely not as monumental as losing to a tongue of Iloa like Alabama did last season um but it, it, it's up there it's definitely up there I think uh coach Saban said it was uh the second year in a row they lost the most popular guy on the team 
you yeah. know, a guy who just rallied everybody in the in the locker room and um, got everybody together and everybody seemed to have a good relationship with that was competitive and had a good uh, a good fighter spirit. You've got to imagine this is his last game in crimson and white, which is sad. And it seems like uh, that career as as even though it was, you know, as long as all the others, uh, seems like it was uh, significantly shorter in my book. Um, it's just this was going to be the year, you know, of Jalen Waddle, uh, and now we've been we've been robbed of that. So hope he gets well soon. Uh, it seems like everything has gone all right through his surgery and through the start of his rehab process so far, uh, so he can be on pace and be ready for draft day. Uh, and I hope he goes really high because I think he's going to be a great wide receiver for somebody uh, someday. Brick, is there any other headline from Week Eight that I've missed that you think we need to mention? Um, um, you did you did have a couple upsets. You did have Penn State getting upset uh, by Indiana. Um, I, I, I guess that was it for last week. I think that was it. I may be forgetting something. Oh, you had Wake Forest upsetting Virginia Tech as well, uh, if you can call it that. Um, and that's that's pretty much uh, all she wrote for week eight, I believe, unless you think I'm missing something. No, that was the return of uh, the Big Ten. But, you know, we're going to we're gonna discuss plenty of Big Ten. You know, uh, they've, they've had two weeks under their belt now. So th- those were the really t- the two big things that we can uh, – you know, moving on to week nine, it was, um, it was, as far as the matchups, other than Ohio State, Penn State, there weren't a lot across the board uh, that really stuck out to you. And yet we still got some really uh, entertaining, entertaining games, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, for sure. I think we can even start uh, Friday night just to touch a little bit. Um, Maryland bounced back 45-44 on the, uh, on the back and shoulders of Talia Tungavailoa. 394 yards passing, uh, looking like his older brother used to at Alabama. Uh, what a turnaround from his first start, the by the way. What a turnaround. I mean, his first start Huge. was as abysmal as you could possibly have. Everybody was saying that this kid's going to lose his job. Uh, they're going to switch to the other guy by the end of the Minnesota game. Uh, Talia's, you know, only just hyped because of his brother. And, and he went out there and he balled out, man. He absolutely did. He absolutely did. It'll be fun to see... Uh, kind of what happens it'll be interesting to see what happens uh from here on out with that maryland team and mike loxley um mike loxley i mean he, you know i don't want to obviously it's not happening yet but i think if he turns in a few good seasons he could land a really really big job um maryland's huge and i know that's home for him but uh i wouldn't be surprised if he if he starts contending soon uh that people may call him and and, and want to get his contact information to maybe interview him for a couple uh larger profile head coaching jobs um that was pretty much it for friday saturday was a doozy my friend halloween was an absolute doozy trevor lawrence out uh with covid19 hopefully he is getting well soon that clemson team is a lot more fun uh, when he is on it, obviously, and you never want to see a guy um, get COVID. I think there was, if I'm being honest and I can step outside of this, I think there was too much discussion of whether or not he was going to play and, uh, you know, when he could be back. And there wasn't enough discussion of, okay, I just hope he's healthy, right? Yeah. Coach Saban was asymptomatic. So everybody immediately just kind of brushed that one off. Trevor Lawrence admitted, no, I've had symptoms. Like, I, I you know, I'm not exactly healthy right now. And I feel like it just kind of, I don't know if it just rubbed me the wrong way or what, but I, I just feel like that got uh, overlooked a little bit too much. Uh, so hopefully uh, he is making a healthy return to the football field and the correct return to the football field. Uh, we can talk about the Notre Dame game a little bit later, but Brick, you were watching this BC Clemson game uh, with DJ, help me, Wungalele, I believe is how it's pronounced. It's uh, They kept saying something like Uigalele, Uigalele. 
Uh, we're uh, we're not going to know his name until Trevor Lawrence. Like we're not going to have that so committed memory until Lawrence. Here's is in the, the NFL, deal, and this honest. is probably going to become a staple of Pat's interference. I've been calling him Thanos for quite some time now, uh, yeah. probably for about two years. I'm good to just stick with calling him Thanos if you're good with that. I'm fine with Thanos because the dude looks like Thanos. He's a true freshman man, and he is he's, he's a unit. He's a he's unit. He's an absolute monster. 6'4", 250 pounds. My man's basically a tight end that can throw the football. They, there's Threw a reason qu- they multiple times mentioned Jamarcus Russell on the broadcast. Yes. Uh, it throws it quite well as well. 30 for 41 for 342 yards and two TDs. However, Brick, this game a little bit closer than our friends over in uh, uh, the fake Death Valley wanted to see. Absolutely. No, um... I mean, Boston College had Clemson dead to rights at halftime. Uh, they were out coaching, out playing Clemson in every facet of the game. Uh, Thanos was was overthrowing receivers. He, he was he was good in the game. Don't get me wrong. He had a good game, especially for his first start, and showed a ton of promise. And and Clemson's not going to have a ton of drop off clearly after Lawrence leaves because this kid's the real deal. Um, but I mean, Boston College was just playing a hell of a half inspired football. Clemson was coming out slow. Boston college recognized that they were aggressive and um, it was, it was more than close it, 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 for a long time. In fact, I'm going to click on the game cast and see what, what Boston college at one point, they were a 75% chance of winning that game. Yes. I never believed yep. that would happen for a second, but according to the ESPN win probability, they got up to 75% in the, uh, uh, and it, right at halftime. After their if, touchdown. If, if I can brag on myself a little bit, because uh, I very rarely get anything right on this podcast, so I want to point sure. out when I actually do get something right. I did have BC giving Clemson more trouble. Obviously, we didn't have a podcast. I didn't get to say this. I did have them giving uh, Clemson more trouble than people anticipated. Look, BC can put points on the board. You yeah. saw it in this game, because it wasn't like a, a, you know, a fumble kickoff that they returned into the end zone or a pick six from a freshman. These were legitimate multiple play multiple minute drives uh, where they were converting third downs um they never gave the ball away uh, they had 21 first downs in the game they almost controlled the possession of the game they were putting together some good offense bc's defense isn't bad if you go back and you watch that north carolina game it's it's kind of eye-opening as to maybe not unc being that bad although we'll get to that in a second but Clemson uh, struggling against a team that's kind of being overlooked. You know, they are four, four and three. They're three and three in conference play, but Boston College is a team to look out for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Jerkovich was a good, hey, he played a great game. He was, he looked really good and was moving the ball well. I didn't see as much of the second half because I had to leave for uh, Tuscaloosa, but, um, you know, I, I can't tell you what it looked like in the second half. I'm sure Boston College fans uh, probably have a lot of complaints. I mean, they didn't score in the second half. Uh, they were up 28-10, I believe, at halftime, and it never got any better than that. Um, 28-13, maybe. But, you know. I yeah, it no, was... no, no, There's no disrespect to put on Boston College's name. I mean, obviously, this might have just ended up being, you know, Clemson always has that one random game that they play close every year. Last year where they sure. escaped against North Carolina. They've lost to Pitt before. Uh, NC State a few years ago. This might have been that one game. Syracuse. Yeah, Syracuse, Syracuse at the Carrier yep. Dome that one year. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I, I think uh, I, I think if you go and you look at the box score especially, 
Um, you know, it was it was not really the fact that Trevor Lawrence wasn't in the game that really gave Clemson problems. Now, that obviously didn't help, and I don't think this game is nearly this close if Trevor Lawrence is in the game. Uh, but it was Clemson's defense that just really was kind of playing on their heels the entire first half. Um, see if this sounds familiar, Brick. They get a big, uh, kind of longer field goal, uh, about a 50-yard field goal right before halftime, and then don't give up another point in the second half. You know, does yep. that sound familiar? Sound like anybody sounds- you know? Uh, yep, that sounds like Alabama-Georgia game. Yep, so then uh, Clemson comes out, makes it an eight-point game, uh, comes out again, makes it a six-point game, and then the fourth quarter was Travis Etienne time. Etienne uh, still 20 carries, 84 yards, and a touchdown, and if you're in the NFL, that's not a bad stat line, but in, in college against Boston College, I, I think you'd kind of want him to have some more yards, maybe get some more touches. Um, I definitely do not have... Uh, do not have the guts to leave the ball in the hands of Thanos throwing it 41 times in this game uh, like Dabo, Swinney, and uh, Clemson did, but it worked out. They saw something. They escaped. Sometimes you don't have to be the best in the country. You just got to be the best in the stadium, and that's what Clemson was last week. Brick, anything else you want to say to wrap up Clemson uh, before we talk about them here in a couple minutes uh, in regards to next week? No, I think they're going to be bad. I mean, I know, I know Trevor Lawrence isn't playing this weekend, but I think that Every time Clemson has that scare and everybody kind of falls off a little bit, they come back and they're world beaters for the rest of the season. Right, right. So we'll we'll see. Uh, like like I said, we'll talk in a couple minutes about uh, this upcoming week. Alabama rolls over Mississippi State, forty-one uh, nothing. Mac Jones, who is now the Heisman favorite, throwing for two hundred and ninety-one yards. Najee Harris rushing for one hundred and nineteen. Uh, but the real storyline of the day: Devonte Smith, eleven catches. 203 yards and four touchdowns, a massive day for Devontae Smith as Alabama pitches their first shutout of the season. Brick, uh, we're not going to spend too much time on this game. It is what it is. Um, I kind of went over the offense. What did you see defensively that Alabama, have they figured out defense, do you think, is golding off the hook? Or do you think this was just Mississippi State being Mississippi State and kind of a one-dimensional offense? They do look like they're playing a lot with a lot more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just gusto fervor confidence gusto confidence uh, yeah i would say confident they look like they're they're just playing with more confidence and 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 their uh intention and, and the way they're playing defense they look a little bit less lost they look a little bit a little bit less slow i also think mississippi state is just not a good offensive team this but other than what they did i something about their scheme must be really easy to stop in the sec i know after week one we freaked out and thought mike leach was here to to really shake everything up because of what he did to LSU. Maybe LSU wasn't ready, but now that everybody has tape on them, I mean, they yes. haven't been good since remotely. I mean, they haven't scored more than two touchdowns in a game since since LSU. Um, well, so here's the thing. The, they scored uh, you know, two I points think... against – they didn't score an offensive point against Kentucky, and they didn't score an offensive point against Alabama. So I think it's just uh, really easy to scheme against, too, and Alabama just took advantage of yes. it. Yes. So the thing about the air raid is if you drop, pe- if you drop enough people back – in zone coverage and you just rush three, you've got a good shot at stopping the offense, right? I mean, it's, it's not rocket surgery at this point. Um, there's a reason that the air raid worked as long as it did. And there's a reason why it kind of stopped working after a while. And, you know, things evolve, you know, air raid to West coast to RPO. And you can kind of see that evolution um, because it's, it's harder to keep the defense on its heels when they know a pass is coming. And Alabama's uh, three down linemen really got home uh, multiple times, you know, there weren't a ton of sacks in the game, but there were a ton of quarterback hurries. Um, you know, obviously KJ Costello going down with an injury. I believe it was a concussion because he got hit once and got up and it didn't, he, it didn't look good. Uh, 
thinking about him, hoping he'll bounce back uh, quickly from that. But that was a heck of a hit he took. Um, you know, Alabama did have some guys dinged up, but luckily they're in the off week uh, this week. And, you know, they, they can move on and look forward. Uh, two stats. LSU blitzed Mississippi State. I forget how many. I think it was like 11, and 12, or 11 or 12 times in the game that they played, right? Ready for this? The rest of the teams who have played LSU so far have blitzed, or who have played Mississippi State so far, excuse me, have blitzed them a total of 12 times. Yep. So you had 12 or more in the first contest, and then in the last four, you've had 12 total among all teams. So teams have kind of started to figure it out. They've got enough game tape. Um, you know, it's it's kind of a, a quiet week for Alabama as far as all things are concerned. Um, Patrick Santan had a great uh, pick six. You were there. Is there anything I'm missing from that game? It was just, it was funny. We were watching it from the press box, and I'm forgetting the number now. It was one of the Mississippi State safeties, either number 15, or I think it was in the teens. And and every time we saw him lined up anywhere near Devontae Smith, we were like, oh, here comes a Smitty catch. Get ready. Like, it was just, it, he was yep. cooking. I think he could have had 24 catches if he wanted in this game. I'm yes. serious. Like, they had... Yeah. No answer for him. It they was had no really answer. They amazing. would they would double team him. They would go back in zone. They were playing jam coverage, and he would get past them. They just really did not have an answer. And, and now, like by the way, he is he, uh, he is tied with Amari Cooper for the all time uh, record for touchdowns in a career. Uh, right, receiving. right, which is insane. And, and one day, uh, probably this offseason, we're going to have to have a conversation about where does Devonte Smith rank among Alabama wide receivers? You know, because I I don't think I'm saying I'm insulting him by saying that. We wouldn't put him in the same class as Julio and Amari and Jerry Judy, but I then would. you also kind of got to ask yourself why, right? Well, I, I just him, mean from I put a, him above, yeah, I put him above Jerry Judy. I, but I would say from a physical standpoint, right? Oh, Julio gotcha, is gotcha, a gotcha. monster. Amari right, right, right. is extremely quick and has great hands. Jerry Judy is the best route runner we've ever had. Uh, and then you've got guys like I, I put Devonte Smith more with Calvin Ridley, right? Super yeah. impressive receiver obviously deserves to be in that conversation of that top tier echelon, but why is he not near uh, those three guys in that range? We'll talk about that in the off season again, but I, I, I think it's a great discussion. I think Devonte Smith has had an, an awesome career at Alabama. And as long as he can stay healthy, it'll only get better from here. Um, moving on to the big 10, you had Ohio state taking down Penn state. This game was, uh, I don't want to say close. Um, it got lightly uncomfortable for about five minutes and then, uh, then really, Ohio State just kind of left Penn State uh, right after halftime. Penn State was down by eight. Looked like they may uh, they may come back. They had you know an eight play, seventy five yard drive, and then Ohio State just put the Bunsens on and left them in the rear view. Really, um, Ohio State controlling possession, controlling first downs. They have five hundred twenty six total yards of offense. Justin Fields going twenty eight for thirty four for three hundred eighteen yards and four TDs. This Buckeyes team looks like it's going to be tough to stop. And if you're Penn State, starting out 0-2 is not how you imagine this season going. Uh, Brick, I'm going to ask you one question from this game, and then we'll move on if you're okay with that. Is James Franklin on the hot seat? Uh, no, I don't think so. I I don't I, I don't think that Penn State is, 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 is there yet with him. He's had some big wins. Um, I don't think that they're going to judge his, wor- his worth based on what he does this year against Ohio State. A couple more losses to them in a row perhaps, but he's done a good job recruiting for them. He's got a lot of energy. Um, by the way, I want to mention that, that in, in, I know that you mentioned that Mac Jones is a, is the Heisman favorite, but I think at the end of the day, this, this award now is going to go to Justin Fields. Uh, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that happening. He is uh, the sexy pick 
he has. I a think decent... he's gonna. Yes, he'll get the sexy the the, the votes. He's gonna have the highlights. He's gonna have the runs. He's gonna have. He he just won't have the stats, but people are much. I think more willing this is a year that stats, stats this year. Right. I think this is a year that that, that highlights are gonna mean more than stats, and it's just gonna. Which be is ridiculous to me that that's not the case. The you know every single year, right? Hmm. Exactly. So, but, but you can't penalize happen. Justin Fields because the Big Ten decided to delay their season. Sure. No, absolutely not. But what I'm saying is that should be the rule every year, right? right? Like, for instance, 2018, Tua plays one, maybe two fourth quarters the entire season before the Heisman. And then it, it, that's just a stat that's ignored, uh, which is baffling to me. But we're not looking in the past. Less rear view, more dashboard. Here we go. Going to rattle off some games that went by pretty quickly. Notre Dame over Georgia Tech, 31-13. Notre Dame's still not looking fantastic, Brick, but they're not looking terrible. Really interested to see what they do next week. Georgia, however, not the blowout they were hoping for against Kentucky. That game was on the road, but Stetson Bennett didn't exactly look like Brett Favre. Uh, Georgia won 14-3. Pretty ho-hum there. I'm a little surprised by that. I told uh, you they should, have made, they, sh- they should have made the switch. This is the game that JT, if JT Daniels is fine, I'm telling you, it's Stetson Bennett, 9 of 13, two interceptions, no touchdowns. That's just... I'm sorry, you're Georgia. You need your your goal isn't to just be they they are a championship contender with the quarter they are a national championship contender and favorite with the right quarterback. If Justin Fields yes. was on the field against Alabama, Georgia wins that game. Georgia uh, wins that game against Alabama, right? If they can right. get an impact quarterback in that offense and comfortable and rolling by the time they hit the playoff in the SEC Championship game, they are a a national championship favorite, a top four team in this country, but they don't pay me the big bucks. Right. I, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, you had, I'm, I'm skipping the next game. I kind of want to save it for last because it's the most exciting, but uh, you had Cincinnati going up top over Memphis, Cincinnati looking like the real deal. They heard me a couple weeks ago on the podcast. They got pissed off. Uh, they're back. They're back. Cincinnati, look out for the Bearcats, man. That's that's the G5 team. If only there was another G5 team of recent memory that could have played as well. Uh, but none are really coming to mind. So we're just going to skip past <laughs> that. Uh, Texas A&M, 42. Arkansas, 31. Kellen Mond didn't exactly... Uh, he didn't look bad, um, but it, it wasn't it wasn't a game where Texas A&M was running away with it. He was 21 for 26. That's a high clip for 260 yards. His decision-making is still a little iffy. Still a little iffy when he sees the blitz. Um, but that Texas A&M team has improved by leaps and bounds since they were in Tuscaloosa playing Alabama. They have. And they're um, they're sort of in that territory where they have the big win against Florida. They have a big win on the resume. Uh, they're, they're, remember when they would talk about you know bad losses and good losses? Um, remember that was a thing a few years ago. Their, their loss sure. against Alabama at the end of the day won't be looked at as bad. It was the second game of the season in Tuscaloosa. So right. they're at sort of that territory where if they win out and Alabama were to, let's say, play Georgia or Florida in the SEC championship game, especially Florida, uh, Texas A&M really needs to be rooting for Florida this week against Georgia. Um, yes. If Alabama were to go, say, blow Florida out in an SEC championship game and A&M's gone undefeated, and they're, you know, they could they could sneak in and be a fourth team. They could. Yes. A lot has to happen. A lot has to happen. Their season is is w- like way far from over. I mean, they have. They're. They, I still think they're a not a. I think they're a playoff contending team. Yes, I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Uh, you had Auburn waking up, I guess, uh, against LSU. I did text you the other day. 
Auburn didn't have a single point through the first quarter, and their offense looked very anemic like it has all season. Um, yeah, they, they had a couple touchdowns in the first half. Uh, most of those brought on by the defense or big plays on defense. Um, they really woke up in the second half. Bo Nix was the leading passer and leading rusher. Anthony Schwartz finally uh, getting the touches that he needs on that Auburn offense, getting 123 yards. Would you say he's the fastest player in college football right now? Uh, I've seen him run, and he's, yeah. He, he I, I, I don't. I can't be. think of another one. I think Jalen Waddle's the only one that would come close, and he's injured. So right now, I think it's Anthony Schwartz, and then rest of the field. Um, but Auburn, if they can turn it around, they can still have a decent season. And then you get into the conversation of what do we do with Gus? Flip side, LSU. Brick, do you go ahead and fire Bo Pelini? Oh yeah. I mean, if it's not, if there's, they're not, they're not rushing to do it now. It's got to be done before the end of the season or at the end of the season. This is a one and done easily for him. There's just yeah. I know they lost a lot, but they didn't I lose mean, that much. It, it's it's like listen, this was Bo Nix's best game in an Auburn uniform, without a doubt. Um, and uh, we talked season. about how t- I'd I'd say he played pretty well against Alabama last year in the Iron Bowl. Go look at the numbers: fifteen of thirty, didn't break two hundred. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. It's it's it's. it's <laughs> I know. I know. We remember him making a bunch of plays. But his numbers were not what it was against. You know, I actually just kind of happened to see them yesterday at work because I was interested. Um, no, he played a good game against Alabama. But, no, th- I mean, this was his best game. And and I, I know you mentioned it was scoreless after the first quarter. What happened against LSU? It, it was not even – it's – the offense really let LSU's defense down a lot. So there were a lot of mistakes. It just was a snowball effect, and you see those games every now and again, especially with teams sure. that are reeling a little bit like LSU. They're 2-3 and three now. I know we knew there'd be a drop-off, but is there any way – that any of us saw two and three coming with games against no Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Florida, South Carolina, Auburn. No, I, I don't. I don't. And they think didn't even play Florida. They didn't even play Florida yet, actually. So I take that back. They haven't played Florida yet. Yeah, they so don't really. They, they play. Yeah, they play Florida um, last game of the season. Um, they still have Alabama and Texas A and M, and if we're being honest, Ole Miss on the schedule. Um, Arkansas, I, I think they can get up for there. It is on the road. Uh, so that's going to be a little bit tougher. And they that's could a also very game. much lose to Arkansas, though. Very easily lose to Arkansas. Yes, they absolutely could. They could very could. easily lose out. Uh, yeah. I yeah, don't they think could. they will, but... I think they'll take at least two of these games. I think it'll. Uh, they could upset Texas A&M or Florida. Um, but again, those games are all on the road. They do get Alabama and Ole Miss at home, which will be nice, but... Man, oh man, I'd hate to be a Bayou Bengal right now. Uh, things are not looking good uh, down in Baton Rouge. Brick, let's move on. Uh, you had Coastal Carolina I just want to touch on. Interesting story. Sure. Uh, they won 51 to nothing against Georgia State. They ranked 20th in the country at this point. Now I think they're ranked 15th or something. I mean, they're really climbing up the rankings. Good to see uh, that from the little guys in, in uh, Chanticleer country. Sure. Indiana going up top over Rutgers in the battle of the undefeateds. Uh, you had North Carolina losing to UVA. I'm going to go ahead and say this, and this is going to rub some people the wrong way. This is probably the last time we're going to talk about North Carolina on this podcast this season. Um, I've been saying for weeks, I just need more source material. I just need more source material. I just need more. I don't need it. I don't need it anymore. Um, you've had back-to-back games now if you're a Tar Heel where you've given up a humongous lead, and despite the fact that you have a quarterback throwing for over 400 yards, it doesn't seem like you can never really get over that hump and get over that hill and come back and actually win the game. Um, Virginia sealed this game on a fake punt. 
Uh, and it's just, it, it, it's not looking good for the Tar Heels. And like we've been saying, you know, all year on the podcast, this just isn't it. This is just not their year. Um, year it, early. If, if it's it, going to be a year, yeah. it's, yeah, if it's, it's going to be a year, it's going to be next year. Um, you know, maybe if North Carolina wins out, we'll, we'll bring them up again. But right now, I just don't really see much of a use. There is one game I do see bringing up, Brick. Uh, Michigan State going over Michigan. Uh, I, I think it kind of ironic that two guys who constantly harp on Michigan and harp on Jim Harbaugh uh, miss the week when he looks dominant against Minnesota and come back the week he loses to his rival. Yeah. He's now 1-6 in six at home versus rivals. Michigan has not won a game as uh, – or excuse – yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I've got that backwards. I'm sorry. Disregard. Um, Michigan is – no, I have that right. I'm sorry. Michigan is uh, the one team in the country who has not won the game um, as an underdog. Really? They've not won a game as an underdog since Harbaugh's taken over. That's very interesting. That I has not nothing to do that. with this game, and that's why I just thought, why did that Why did that stat enter my head? But I have a notes app on my phone, and I wrote it down for a reason. I double-checked it. It's true. They have not won a single game as an underdog. So you look at Michigan, I, I just don't know... If it gets better, I've been talking to Michigan fans that we have that listen to the podcast. Uh, they're all they're all on the fire Harbaugh bus. And if I'm being I honest, Rick, I, I think that, that I think that year is one year too late. I think that thought is one year too late. Um, you know, I I don't know how many years you can sit back and say, oh well, he's got you know 700 winning percentage and he beats the teams that we should beat and all of his losses are close games. So I'm making excuses. You're Michigan. It's time to go. No, that excuse doesn't work anymore. They just lost to a rival. That lost to Rutgers the week before. They Michigan can't, State lost to Rutgers to open the season. Rutgers, dude. Lo- you, you can't lose to Butkers. You cannot lose to Butkers. Um, I yeah, I, I think it's time. I think I think it's you know ask not for whom the bell tolls, Jim Harbaugh. It tolls for thee. I, I think it's time for Michigan to move on. Um, you know, Michigan State, I, I didn't think that Michigan was going to cover 25 and a half. Uh, I also didn't think that they were going to lose this game. I definitely didn't think that they were going to get, you know, kind of mollywopped on offense. It was it was just a rough game. It was just a rough game. Um, and Michigan has to turn it around. There has to be a change. There just has to be a change. Now, the issue is, who do you go get? You want a home run hire. You want that big name. I think the big name that everybody kind of wanted last year was Lane Kiffin. He's gone. That's it. And I don't really see Michigan reaching out to Steve Sarkeesian anytime soon, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know who the big, big name is this year. Um, maybe maybe Mario Cristobal, if you think you can steal him from Oregon. But if I'm Cristobal, I'm not going to leave Oregon, a league that I'm winning consistently, yeah, to no, go to Michigan, to, to, to go a league where I'm little brother. against Ohio State, yeah. Um, you know, they're at the top of the Pac-12. He only leaves for a top dog job at Texas or Alabama or something like that, Clemson. Um, I don't even know about Clemson. Uh, I don't know who you. I don't know who you go get. I don't know who the hot names are this year. I haven't. Those articles probably won't start coming out until. I mean, Sarkeesian will be a big one just because of what Alabama's off, what he's doing with Mac Jones at quarterback. Right. Um, but. It's still, I mean, you just got to shake the boat. You have to shake the boat. It's what? What year are we under Harbaugh? Six. I think Something this like is that? year seven. I think seven? this is year seven. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that. I know that in years past you weren't super happy, but it was too early to rock the boat. But he's now had years and years of his own recruits coming in and out. Still hasn't had a signature. I don't. I can't think of a single signature win. I I a can't true, either. A true signature win. 
I can't either. I, I really, really can't. And I know there's there's probably going to be one that we miss, but honestly, if it's not sticking out in my head, um, I, I'm I'm probably going to argue that it is a signature win. Just if if I'm being honest. So yeah, yeah. that's. It, things are rough over there. BYU continued to roll 41-10. to 10. They are now a top-10 program. Florida kind of bounced back after their loss, 41-17 over Missouri. Uh, you also had, you know, it's always good to see something good happen for the little guy like Texas. Just that little feller hanging out over there, upsetting big old Oklahoma State, 41-34 in overtime. Uh, Chuba Hubbard only had 72 yards uh, on the ground. Sam Ellinger, again, he's college Sam Darnold, but he went 18 for 34 for 169 yards and three TDs, so that's not good at all. Yet they found a way to win. There you go. That's it. Sometimes that's all it is, right? Don't have to be the best mm-hmm. team in the country. Got to be the best one in the stadium. So, uh, you know, again, good to see something uh, good happen for the little guy like Texas. Brick, is there any other game from week nine that I missed that you want to go over? Not at all. I'm good. I'm okay. all good. We're, we're zooming on here. We're, we're, we're getting back on the ship. Headed towards week 10, Alabama with a bye week. Uh, but you do have number one Clemson playing Notre Dame. The Domers that's, that's, in that's South the Bend. That's the headliner. Br- Brick, let's talk about this game. All right. Okay. Realistically, does Notre Dame have an actual shot to win this game? Okay. Now, I know this seems like a real weird question to me to ask. Because Clemson's only a five and a half point favorite, okay? Notre Dame has not looked super impressive in very many wins this year, okay? Sure. This is last week they beat Georgia Tech 31 13. That's the same Georgia Tech team that Clemson mopped up by 60, okay? You had a 14 point win against Duke. They did shut out USF, but I think you and I could strap up helmets and at least hold USF to two touchdowns. Uh, they beat Florida State. But they only scored 12 points against Louisville. Um, I guess they did beat Pitt by quite a bit, which is that hurts because the Death Star. But Death Star is still charging. Just give it some time. Just give it some time. The Death Star is going to explode somewhere. Just give it a little time. Brick, uh, what are the realistic odds of Notre Dame winning this game? They've been getting slowly better. Um, they've been slowly getting a little bit better offensively and, and defensively. And... Uh... I wouldn't give them a big percentage. I'd give them about a 25% chance. I think the rest of the way, if Clemson's going to lose, it's going to be this game. I'm not confident that they will. I'm, I mean, like I just said, I think there's a three-fourths chance that Clemson walks out, and I think they walk out fairly easily. What they need to hope is that Clemson is still hungover from this whole Trevor Lawrence deal, that you know them being on the road is a big problem. Uh, the colder it is probably will benefit Notre Dame more, but I don't know what the temperature's supposed to be in, in South Bend on Saturday. Uh, night um and they need to try to make the game as uncomfortable for Clemson as possible uh but I just like I said earlier I think every time Clemson gets that scare Dabo's been really good at helping the team kind of regroup and get back into their own Death Star mode and um so yeah uh I'm giving it about a 25% chance I, I I'm I'm right there with you I'm gonna say about a 20% chance I look I Is Notre Dame getting better? Yes. Notre Dame should be what we expected Georgia to be at this point in the season. They have a quarterback who has been there forever. He's getting the Hunter Renfro treatment in my book. He's been there for what seems like decades and decades. Uh, He's only thrown one pick this year, but he's also only got seven touchdowns. They've thrown it 150 times with him. He has 92 completions. 
Hadn't even hit 100 completions, okay? The real actual bright spot of their offense this year has been Kyron Williams, uh, their running back, who, by the way, only has six less yards and two less TDs than uh, Travis Etienne. Huh. So that's, that's something that to keep in mind. It really is something to keep in mind. I, I don't give them much of a shot in this game because, like you said, if Dabo and the boys struggle against somebody, that next week they really mop up on the next people. Um, right. I looked at that stat a couple of weeks ago. You can go listen to Pat's Interference uh, episode, I believe it was year six, episode four. I said the same thing. Um, it's just, you know, I, I don't give them that much of a shot. Uh, I hate saying that, but Ian Book's just not the guy to get it done right now. Uh, now, he could come out and have a Steven Garcia game. Uh, those of you who are friends of the podcast will know what I mean by that. If not, Google it. Uh, but I, I, I really just don't see that happening against this Clemson defense. Mm. I hope it does, though. I'd like to see a good game. Clemson's only a I'd love to see day, a good game. I would have thought it was higher. Let, let me ask you, does Notre Dame cover five and a half? No, I don't think so. I think Clemson wins by two touchdowns. I don't think so either. Uh, you get Tennessee at Arkansas, Wolf. Stanford at Oregon, nope. Uh, you do have... The Forks, Brick. We got some interesting news about Arizona State that we may release later in the year in the podcast. Uh, Can't believe you just passed we're not, right we're over not gonna my, do, my, we're my not, Stanford Cardinal like that. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about Arizona State uh, just yet, as far as things are concerned. Uh, but they are on the road in the noon or on Fox, Big Noon Saturday uh, at USC. By the way, the entire Big Noon Saturday uh, team has COVID. Reggie Bush, Urban Meyer, Matt Leiner, all of them are out. At really? least they're out with COVID. Uh, yeah, I believe it's, I, I think the word was COVID precautions. So I don't know if they all have it or they were all exposed to somebody and they got a quarantine. I don't really know what the deal is. However, not great. Not great if you're Fox Sports. Uh, but anyway, Arizona State at USC in the Nooner. That'll be exciting to see Pac-12 get back out on the field. Uh, you also have Michigan at Indiana, number 13, Indiana, by the way, Brick. Uh, right. in the nooner on Fox Sports 1. I might take Indiana covering that game. They're they're an underdog. They're a three-and-a-half-point underdog in yeah, this game. Yeah, I, I was looking at that one yesterday for our pick of and I, I'm probably going to end up switching it two or three times before they actually play on Saturday. I, I, I will probably do the same. Either that or I won't touch it with a 10-foot pole, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I I just I can't trust Michigan right now. I just can't do it. Um, but the big game this week, Number eight, Florida, versus number five, Georgia. It's the cocktail party, ladies and gentlemen. This is, it's time for dudes in blue jeans to strip their shirts off and try and smash some tables in the parking lot. Uh, it's time to get in fights in the stands, uh, all while wearing a mask and being socially distant. So maybe just like spit, spit wads or, you know, throw a plastic fork or something. You know, nothing too, nothing too aggressive. Uh, this game being played in Jacksonville. Brick, you have a struggling Georgia offense against a Florida team whose defense, shall we say, has left some to be desired at points of the season. Uh -huh. Who are you giving looked, the edge to in this week. season? Um, it's hard to really give one side an edge. Kyle Trask has been playing really good football this year. Um, like, better than I would have ima ever imagined from him. He's, he's outside of Mac Jones, he's been the best quarterback in the SEC, um, playing at a really high level. And I don't expect that to just fall off a 10 because he's facing Georgia. It will a little bit. I'm giving a slight edge to Florida uh, based on the, I don't know if Stetson Bennett's going to be the guy to win a big game. He has not shown it yet. He's not shown. 
I, I want to lean with the better quarterback in this game. And my heart tells me to pick Georgia because I know that they've got a better defense and they'll figure it out some way, somehow. But I'm giving a slight edge to Florida in this game just based on what I saw from Stetson Bennett the last three times he's taken the field. Right. Right. Yeah, you're right about that. You're definitely right about that. I I just, I, I can't, I yeah, I can't trust Georgia right now. Um, this is a league you know, where better offense has been beating better defense consistently. Yes, and I, I think right now, I, I, I think I got to give the edge to Florida, but Florida just played so atrociously in their loss. Um, and it's, it's tempting for me to take Georgia, but I just I, I don't think I can do it here. Um, I'm going to take Florida. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I don't think it's going to be a pretty game. Uh, the 41-38 loss to Texas A&M, uh, Florida gave up uh, just a ton of yards on defense. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just not something I think they gave up. Yeah, they gave up 543 yards of offense in that game. Uh, Florida's defense has got to be better than that. This is a big game. Big rivalry game. I'm gonna give the edge to Florida. I'll say Florida by three in this one. I'm, I'm, I think I'm about there. I think that's about where I am. And I, you know, oh, it's tough. This is a tough one. Oh man. Yeah, I'm gonna, be, but I'm gonna agree with you because I just, I'm gonna go with the better offense against the better defense. Um, I, I know that. Uh, but then you have to go back and you think that Florida's had such a really rocky road the last few weeks. I do. I am encouraged by what they just did against Missouri, though. Um, they looked they looked still really efficient on offense, and their defense looked a lot better and created a lot more issues um, than they had been. So, oh, I'm going Florida just barely. I'll go Florida just barely as well. I think the last thing we need to talk about this week, buddy, uh, is the Florida-Missouri game from last week. You saw a big fight occur <laughs> uh, before halftime. You had Dan Mullen hyping up the crowd after the fight, which seemed like look. an odd choice. Not a good uh, look. He then attended the press conference dressed as Darth Vader. It was Halloween. Uh, but I, I can't think of a less Darth Vader coach in the SEC than Dan Mullen. No, it was just... It was dumb. I get, it was, it I was get immature. He, I get that he probably decided... To, it was a joke, and he decided to do it before the game, that that's what he was going to do. But after everything that happened, knowing the questions he was going to face, you just got to scrap the Darth Vader idea. It just was a it's, very tone-deaf look. It's just dumb. Now Florida's got players suspended uh, for this Georgia game, uh, for the first half of the Georgia game, excuse me. Um, and you've got Dan Mullen getting fined for this look. Two weeks ago, uh, Lane Kiffin gets fined for tweeting things out about, I think it was about officiating or the NCAA, something around yeah, those It was, yeah, it was lines. about officiating. And then you get to Dan Mullen this week, and it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you look like a clown. Was, you look like a clown. A, if I'm, it was a if I'm one of his players, sure. I'm pissed. You know, you you go out and you you pump up the crowd after a fight. Man, that's stupid. But like, I get it. Maybe you're trying to put a charge in your team. That goes back to kind of like a hockey mentality, right? You got an enforcer on the team to really get your guys up if they're going through a rough patch. Uh, but this one was just dumb, man. It was just dumb, and I I, just, I don't understand it. I think it just shows that Dan Mullen's not there. He's not on that class yet. He's he's done all right at Florida, but he's not a top tier coach right now. Um, and I think that immaturity and things just kind of shined through in this past game against Missouri. Maybe I'm being a little harsh on him. You can tell me if I am, but that's where I sit. I don't think you are. I, I think that's it. Is there anything yeah. else this week? Uh, fo college football wise? No, but I do want to kind of just rant a little bit about Tua Go for on it. the Dolphins if I can. Um, all right. So we're, it's a Thursday now. Dolphins play uh, uh, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals on Sunday. And um, Tua had his first start, 
left a lot to be desired on the field, but there, there was a story to that game. Um, here, here's my, here's my thing. Now is the time this game just unleash them, right? They, they were very, very conservative with Tua in his first start, which one I don't really understand, but with the context of the game, I do, uh, the Dolphins essentially scored three touchdowns on defense and special teams. One of them was a fumble return that was taken down to the one. So I count that as a defensive score as well. So they essentially gave Tua a three touchdown cushion. So I understand being a little bit more conservative with them after that, but I, I will be livid, livid if they are conservative with them this week, because for this reason, this is what I don't understand. They were running the offense as normal with Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? They mm. chose to make the switch. They said, mm. we believe in Tua. We believe that he's ready. Let's do it, right? Let's go. It's not a situation where Tua had to come in because Fitzpatrick was hurt. We had to go, oh, I don't know if he's ready. We need to make this easy on him. You chose to rock the boat in the middle of the season, in the middle of a playoff race, to put in your rookie. Unleash him. He threw two downfield passes, and one of them was not his first read on Sunday. Two, the entire game. And that's one of his strengths. Play to well, his strengths, the- unleash him, and let's go. And don't, don't, oh my gosh. They got to get a running back in the offseason. Miles Gaskin. They, well, they've got to get a running back, and you've got to have some sort of blocking help on the line. Look, I know you were saying to me, like, hey, they've gotten a lot better. Brick, they're not good. Tua no, the was line hurried. was no. They're a mid. They're a middling line that's getting better. They're if you look at the numbers, they're middle of the NFL, which is from a Dolphins fan's perspective, they've been in the bottom five of the NFL f- since they drafted Ryan Tannehill. So we see that and we go, it's getting better. Awesome. Well, they, it, they did. It's, they do need to rock, especially run blocking. They've been bad in run blocking, but uh, he did get hit on that first play. Whatever. It's like it's frustrating to me to see people then just look at the stat line and go, oh, twelve for twenty-two for ninety-three yards and a touchdown. Wow pretty average well, that's that's a Colin but that's a Colin Cowherd thing he didn't actually see a play of the game he goes to the box score and then he writes his 10 minute rant on it and puts well it on and then team. you you look up and Tua had three drops and wasn't one of them a touchdown four 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 drops um only only one of them was truly with contact uh, yeah. all the rest so, were just straight up drops and and yeah, three of them no, were first I, down throws I, I think I think down. there's still there's still a lot of growing pains with the Dolphins, obviously, but yeah, it, it's it's this. You're right. This has got to be the week where they 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 let him rip right quick. Oh, the Dolphins. Uh, yeah, I mean the Dolphins are four and three. They're one game out of first place in, in in the AFC East, and they've got another game against the Jets on the schedule. The Cardinals. Um, they play the Bengals. Uh, they've got the Patriots who are struggling. I mean. Those are, they've got so many, the Chargers have been playing well, but not winning their games. I mean, those are all winnable games. Uh, they, they, I've seen, I could see nine or 10 wins here, plus an upset or two. And this is a team that if they get it going and, and actually start playing like a play, which means letting your quarterback do his thing, you might strike some magic in year one under Tua. And, and, and when have you ever been that excited in the last 20? You haven't, you haven't. So I don't know. It's just. Chan Gailey has got to let him do his thing and, and not hold him back just for fear that something might happen, right? You chose yeah. to put two in. He's your guy for the rest of the year. If he goes out there and throws two picks, let him live with it. Yes. I, I mean, it's man. just, you're, you're already seeing the trend that I just despise, which is like ESPN now has a story up four hours ago. Could the Dolphins draft another QB if Tua struggles this season? That's actually funny because today uh, um, his presser was probably two hours ago. I think Brian Flores saw that article. And in the middle of a question that had nothing to do with anything about that, he broke off and went. And I'm seeing you beat writers say stuff like, we're auditioning Tua. And he went off and was like, we're not auditioning Tua. 
We believe it. We drafted him because we believe in him. He's our quarterback. We're not auditioning him for 10 yep. games. This isn't a 10-game audition. It was funny. Dumb. So, Just dumb guy. people. Let him throw the ball. He's accurate. Let him do his thing. Don't let him. He doesn't have to only throw bubble screens and two-yard outs. Throw it down the field. Anyway, that's my uh, Yeah, that's a good rant. I'll give people some games they can watch if they're bored and they they, they just want to watch some good, fun college football. Uh, Friday, you've got Miami at NC State. I don't think that one will be super exciting, but it is a nice appetizer for the entree that night. Uh, tomorrow night, Friday, 9.45 p.m., BYU at Boise State. Ooh, who doesn't love that? Number nine versus number 21. Another good game you've got this weekend, Texas Tech and TCU. It's going to be a rock fight, ladies and gentlemen, but if we're watching it together, we're watching it together. They can't hit all of us with rocks. You've got Western Kentucky at Florida Atlantic. Not really going to be too exciting, but there may be some fireworks. Uh, Another entertaining game, uh, depending on your definition of entertaining, is Tennessee at Arkansas. We're going to see which, uh, that's kind of like uh, in the dark night, Right when he snaps the pull cue, and it's basically just like, all right, one of you is going to come out of here. That's how Tennessee Arkansas looks for those two programs right now, in my opinion. Uh, your game's postponed this week. Navy at uh, Tulsa at Navy, excuse me, Purdue at Wisconsin. Wisconsin struggling. They've got over 25 cases of COVID right now. Um, their entire quarterback room is out. Wisconsin now in danger of missing too many games to participate in a Big Ten Big Ten title if they were to feasibly make it there, uh, which is baffling to me it's also baffling to me they're the number 10 team in the country right now uh, yeah espn had game. this um bef- before that game was canceled they, they put out this like percentage chance of making the playoffs deal number four on that list was wisconsin it was it was bama at the most ohio state slightly behind them clemson slightly behind them and then ohio state at four or no yep. i'm sorry wisconsin at four like that's a that's a that's a, they, they, i don't know that sucks Ugh, yeah, 2020. Yeah, bro. Louisville at Virginia has also been postponed. Purdue and Wisconsin straight up canceled. Uh, FIU at UTEP also canceled. Uh, so yeah, I, it's just it's a crazy time right now. Crazy time with election coverage. I really thought we would know something from the election by we by the time we did this podcast this week, but that's okay. There you go. Next week we'll know something. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We've always wanted to do this podcast. We're in year six now. We're old. We're old men. The, the the machines passed well oiled at this point. It's gotten well oiled, rusty, and it's well oiled again. We're running through this thing. Sorry we missed last week, but things happen. If you want to follow us on social, you can on Twitter uh, at pa- uh, pi underscore podcast on Facebook at Pat's Interference. Again, that's P A T apostrophe S Interference, or you can go to our website at patsinterference.com. Brick, is there anything else you want to mention? Not anything at all. Else you I've want, enjoyed you want to discuss. I- just just how much I've enjoyed doing this with you for six years. This is this has been a great six years, man. This has been a great six years. One day we're going to get a sponsor, and then one day we might even get five more listeners. And that is really when this is going to take off. I don't know about you, but I'm still going to do this full time. So here's the six. Here's the six more good years. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this podcast until our own children are playing in, in Division One oh. football. Oh, buddy! Wow, we're really. I really love that you think that. Uh, my wife, who's five foot six, and myself, who's five foot seven, five foot eight on a good day, depending on who's measuring, are going to have uh, Division One athletes. You will. Uh, he's going to be. Um, he's going to be one of those little slot receivers, Ooh. or like a kicker. I like the sound of that. I, I, I can predict your son just hitting a ton of sky hooks, lots of sky <laughs> hooks and corner threes, or your daughter. Um, I guess your daughter kid, being my, my kids are absolutely playing basketball. I will be a yeah. b-ball dad. My kids are going to be uh, really good at fencing. 
They play in basket. I'm gonna play that while they're born. Alright. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Nothing like doing a podcast with your best friend in the whole world. Whole world, baby.